Namaste. Since the time creation has come into being, or if you may like to use the word becoming, there are these three forces which are constantly acting upon it. The force of creation, which keeps on building new and new forms, names, activities, tendencies, properties, propensities. Then the force of preservation, which tries to keep, it rises to a point, this creation goes to a point and then it's preserved. And then the force of destruction, which takes away the past and brings in something new. But behind this play, we see another uh, interesting play of forces. And that is on one side, in creation, there is this power of love, which is pulling creation constantly upward. As if by a magnet. That magnet, of course, is Ananda, which runs as a sap in the very veins of creation. It is constantly drawing itself up, up, up towards some grand culmination, supreme consummation, if you like to call it. And what that supreme consummation is, is very easy to uh, understand. If we take it that this creation is an act of the divine in its origin, then the supreme consummation has to be that this creation has to become divine. It stands to logic. And in fact, this is the only logic because if we say that there is nothing behind creation, then creation would not be. So there is this consciousness which is embedded within creation, is carrying it through a power of love toward the grand consummation, which is a divinization of each element of creation. On the other hand, creation is emerging from a state of utter denial. Denial of the very consciousness which is pulling it upward. Denial of ananda. Denial of life. Denial of truth. What Shurabinda has termed as the inconscient. And it is also exerting a pull constantly and pull downwards. And as creation comes up, it has a tendency to sometimes collapse back into the inconscient. Despite everything, thanks to the labor of love, it has been brought up to this level, what we call today as an awakened humanity. I won't use the word humanity because humanity is a multi-layered term, whether we like it or not. There is a humanity which is close to the animal kind. There is a humanity which has begun to think. There is a humanity which is more conscious. There is a humanity which aspires to go beyond man. So there are different layers of humanity. From here, this project takes a new turn. And the new turn is that now, up till now, creation has come out of inconscient without the conscious collaboration of the steps at which the evolutionary energy or the evolutionary power or I prefer to call the power of love was acting. And I am not going into details about what that love is and how it works. But at a human level, it calls for a conscious collaboration. Why? So that the process can be hastened. And also because we may avoid these constant lapses back into the inconscient. What is called in Indian, Indian thought is a pralaya. So, pralaya is that creation reaches a point and then the pull of the inconscient is such that it tends to draw it back. From a unitary point of view, we may say that it was not ready for the next leap. So, it, the cycle goes on. But each time when creation comes, emerges from the pralaya, the recovery is much faster. 
Now, in this whole process, there are some critical turning points, some crucial junctures. And at that point of time, a bridge is needed. It's as if creation passes through a narrow gorge. When its fate is being decided, it may lapse back or it may emerge through a narrow gorge into a wider space. And at that point of time, the divine himself takes a human body, which we know is embedded in a line of spiritual thought in India, which is the avatar. This thought is there even in uh, Christian mysticism, but it has been lost um, when Christ says, I am the way, basically he's referring to the avatar because unlike a teacher, unlike a master who comes and gives us a technique, a method which we must follow through a specialized way and find an exit door, the avatar comes to upgrade creation itself. Therefore, he becomes the way. And he becomes the way also because when a working has to be done in the very material field, so all evolution is on the basis of matter. And it is known as manifestation. From the spiritual point of view, all evolution is nothing else but a progressive manifestation. We use the word evolution because we just look at the outer phenomena. So at this juncture, if we look back a hundred years back or a little more, we see that humanity was going through another kind of crisis. And we can see the great wars, the upheavals, the revolutions, and it's all written the first half of the previous century. And a few centuries before, one could see it all building up. And during that period when humanity ran the risk of once again going back into Pralaya. And we know about the Second World War and many other things that were happening at the same time. That is the time when the Avatar comes and he takes humanity through that little narrow gorge towards a new creation. This is the first task of the avatar to steer humanity through this crisis, which outwardly looks at uh, looks like a crisis of events and circumstances. But one of the things that Shurabindo beautifully reveals to us, both at an individual level, collective level, at Auroville level, at the world level, all crisis which looks like a crisis of events and circumstances and situations is at its bottom an evolutionary crisis. It calls for a leap in consciousness. And there are those who take the leap. And there are those who don't take the leap. Now, if those who take the leap, though that humanity which is ready, it transits from one zone into another. That's what the avatar comes to do so. And this leap is not just in the inner consciousness. This leap is also in the very body. It's a leap like from animal to man. So the body itself begins to respond to higher forces, to the spiritual forces with immense implications. So the avatar of this age, the last avatar as the mother called him and as is we find narrated in various Indian scriptures, the Bhavish Purana for instance, are Shurabindu and the mother who have come to take evolution one step further and that step further may look like just one step but it's a radical step further. That one step is on one side, it can be simply spoken of as mind to supermind, man to superman. But what really it means is that mind is a divisive consciousness. It looks at things from an either or perspective. Things have to be either this or that. The mind, because it is divisive, always creates inseparable gulfs. The last of the gulfs is between matter and spirit, world and God. So when we turn to this world, we lose God. When we turn to God, we lose the world. This has been the story so far because mind cannot. 
when we try to take to spiritual life through the mind, then we reach a door where it, mind tends to enter into an impersonality. Vast impersonality. Call it Brahman, whatever we want to call it. The, the static poise of the divine. And when it comes back to the world, it doesn't know what this world is about. It's an illusion. Probably it's a nightmare or some kind of dream. And then it sees it's not a very, you know, it's a dream which is into the making of, you know, beautifully uh, how uh, Radhiji just, just now said. It's a dream. Yes. But whose dream is it? Who is the dreamer? So we don't go into that. We just see the dream. It's dream something is making and we have the we all carry the dream actually the dream of the lord it's the dream of a perfect world the dream of a um, of an ideal world where uh, everything is beautiful everything is true everything is full of joy everything is embedded with the instinct of harmony unity freedom but when we look at the reality check the dream appears to have gone awry and we tend to Look for an exit door. This is what has been the story of man so far. But for the first time, the mother says, no, this gulf can be braced. This dream has come to a point where it can be realized. It is ready to precipitate into the outer physical life of man. And then she asked a question, a very interesting question. Are we ready? Are you ready? This is the question the mother asked. When we see, look at the uh, series of her last messages after the formation of Auroville, incidentally, since we are doing it also in a backdrop of Auroville. So she gives a series of messages. She is the avatar. She has made the bridge, as we know, the bridge between mind to supermind. Supermind is a consciousness of unity, it's a consciousness of truth, it's a consciousness of that love which can experience unity in difference. Human love cannot. For human love, it is one person loving another. In the supramental intensity of love, it is not one person loving another. But the divine loving the divine through one form into another. This is the experience of supramental love. Supramental ananda. Supramental ananda is a manifold ananda. In every little drop, it experiences the ananda. In the commonest acts, in the smallest things, it experiences that ananda. Supramental knowledge. Unlike a mental knowledge which is very derivative besides, supramental knowledge is a knowledge by identity. One knows not because one has analyzed and it has gone through all that process, but one knows a thing by becoming that thing because deep within that is the secret truth of our being. So what does the supermind do? It automatically reveals the divinity which is embedded in creation and to come in contact with that divinity, it brings out our own divine self. One of the first effects of the supermind is that it makes... It quickens, as it were, the emergence of the psychic being more openly into the play. It opens the doors to a higher, wider consciousness so that man's consciousness, mind, heart, life, body begin to obey a higher law. The law of intuition, an intuitive sense, an intuitive knowledge, intuitive wisdom before it can take the next leap. So when we look at those messages, we see very interesting um, series of messages what is it that we have to do because it's a phase when there has to be a conscious collaboration so conscious collaboration means that we have to make choices before this animal doesn't choose what it wants to be it's, it is picked up there is a logic behind it there is a divine logic it's not magic evolution is not magic whatever it may appear and then 
out of a certain kind of animal uh, the ape like certain apes are picked up and they get transmuted into humanity but with human beings because there is a conscious evolution there is this choice there is a conscious choice and what is the choice between beautifully the mother says the choice is between truth or the abyss now this is very interesting and what is the abyss she says very beautifully what is the abyss and what is the truth she reveals to us what is the abyss abyss is greed for money lust for power and fear these three things constitute the abyss and what is truth truth is a vast infinity she says don't try to define it but be sincere if you want to live it it will emerge from within us so truth is something which cannot be defined the moment we define we turn it into a religion a narrow sect creed etc and she always bids us to go beyond and then she asks human beings are you ready this is the choice imperative what is the choice truth or the abyss and when we look at the mother from that angle then it's not about her outer life but the main work that she came to do she has built the bridge and to walk that bridge requires tremendous courage and the greatest courage and heroism that the mother said that she demands of us or expects of us is to get rid of the ego most of the problems in human life in fact one may dare say almost all the problems of human life even fear the worst of impurities because of the ego what does ego do it puts us into a narrow shell whether it's the shell of a standpoint a viewpoint an opinion a way of life we are accustomed to a comfort zone we we continue to live life in a certain way we don't want it to change but then change comes it is bound to come because a new consciousness is already abroad upon earth and as she said very beautifully again one of the messages the future of the earth depends upon a change of consciousness and the change is bound to come is bound to come but it is left to men to decide whether they will collaborate with the change or the change is thrust upon them by the power of crashing circumstances so we have to look at the mother from that from the way one looks at the avatar now avatar is a dual phenomena the human and the divine but you know there is a divine element in the divine mother so you know we can ask her for protection for grace and everybody uh, has their own connection with her individually universally she is all these but most importantly she has taken a human body a material body so that a work can be done in matter in the very material field upon the body so that a path can be opened through the very cells there is a light almighty powers which are shut inside the cells but they are not released the body is driven by habits the body is driven by old ways of life the body is driven by the mind's formulas do's don'ts hundred things but there is within the body the freedom of the infinite the body can have that freedom of infinity she comes to establish that in the body and that is something unique new and that is how one has to look at her not of course she is the transcendent mother she is the universal mother she is the individual mother but most importantly she is the one who brings the new creation out of the folds of the unmanifest and has established it upon this earth in this human soil in this material soil and this transmutation this seed that she has 
sown in earth will now blossom through the agency of man. Man's work is to become a bridge. And this bridge, she becomes assuming a human body. And all of us have to now, that truth that she has brought, translate it itself into our own lives. What does it require? Most importantly, it requires tremendous courage. There is something very fascinating about the mother. Both mother and Shurabindo. Something very amazing. One of the uh, take-home points that one, you know. They could drop the past like this. The power of renunciation of a past for the future is something amazing. Look at Shurabindo. He is on the peak of, uh, you know, uh, the revolutionary movement where he is regarded as uh, he is the leader, he is the leader. One day he vanishes and people don't understand why he has done it. But he has done it because he sees there is a greater work. Another time when, you know, right when people are getting drawn, suddenly he vanishes, goes behind the scene, leaving the mother in front and Savitri in the hands of man. And when we look at the mother's life, how inspiring it is that she had all the possible realizations of yoga. She had um, the Buddhist realization. She was an adept in Buddhism. She had the realization of the yoga of the Gita, the Raj Yoga, all the Kudalini, the entire map, not just the seven chakras, but twelve chakras and beyond. She had the experience of dying consciously and coming back into the body. Every possible occult experience realization, every possible spiritual experience and realization. When we look at the mother's prayers and meditation, one wonders that what is it that she doesn't have? And with all that, she had built a very fantastic mind system, one of the widest plastic system. It was there in cosmic philosophy. I don't know now it's so difficult to find that book and you know have an English translation of it. But anyways, it's not necessary because when she came to see Shurabindo, she just offered it all. She sat at his feet and while her husband was discussing with Shurabindo whether this world is born out of desire or out of delight, and Shurabindo would say out of delight and he would insist out of desire. <laughs> The mother is sitting at the feet of Shirobinda and she says that entire thing dissolved. Can we imagine that she left all this past behind? What did she become? There is a word in Auroville Charter, willing servitor of the divine, what it means to be a willing servitor. She is a yogi yogeshwari, literally. When she is coming, the house of Shirobinda is being prepared, you know, a new bulb has come. And people are asking, who is coming in? There are whispers. Some great yogin from Europe. Europe? Europe has yogins also? <laughs> it's not only yogin, the divine must sure the knows it. And you know, there is a preparation going on. And when she comes, this great yogin, what does she do? She teaches the Indian disciples how to be in front of the Guru. Sign of the age, intellectual age. Many of them would sit in front of Shirobindo with their feet on the table. Even with mother, Amrita says that, you know, when he would talk to mother, they would be reading yogic sadhan and if somebody saw them sitting on a chair next to each other, they would wonder, who is teaching whom? And yet, by her own example, what was the example? She started sitting on the floor. She would clean her own room with, with broom. When the sari was torn, she would just patch it and wear it. And 
she would make no fuss about it no bones about it what work she was doing inwardly that one can know now thanks to the prayers and meditation which she was not keen to publish we have one experience and we talk about it fantastic all our lives oh you know i saw this i had this divine mother has every possible experience in a lab just go through a prayers and meditation that's a autobiography minimum there are much more four fifth of it is burnt away and one wonders with all these experiences and realizations but outwardly she is leading the life of a very normal regular ordinary human being this is the sign of greatness and in that state when she comes how she faces the past not only inwardly even outwardly coming from paris and japan when she comes to india starts living in a small little room no room also for years in decades she didn't have a room for herself and she would not say oh it's so hot in india why because she wants to serve shurbindo claiming nothing you see what is she written in oroville she has basically said about her own life the way she has lived i belong to no country no civilization nothing whom do you belong to i belong to the divine i don't speak on behalf of anybody but on behalf of the divine look at that way she is when it is written oroville belongs to nobody in particular but to everybody it belongs to the divine so she lived her life like that belonging to nobody except the divine whom alone she would obey and that is how one becomes a servitor of the divine no country could claim her no civilization could claim her no culture could claim her she belonged to all these and yet she transcended all this so when she says she's this is the way by her own life she showed us how to renounce an immediate gain for the sake of a larger good for the sake of a truth that we can see before our eyes this is her way to renounce the inner uh, all the you know so called knowledge that we talk about experiences everything for the sake of the nothing for herself when we look at mother's life another thing that strikes it that nothing for herself even a room as i said her room was made in somewhere i think 1952 or 54 otherwise what is what is called as an interview room today was the mother's room what was it it was mother's room means there was a couch where she could lie down she could sit there is a little partition in old times by an old fridge and you have to pull the door if somebody needs a private conversation and there are people on the other side who are working this is what she taught by her own example life how to serve the divine looking at the samadhi she says i don't want to be worshiped let them worship you but for me i have come here to serve and work and that's why she says two very interesting things that the mother said which her own life was an example wonderful example she says the more i grow in the yoga the further i go i find that it is through work that shurbindo's yoga can be done best she says that the more i grow of course there is a logic behind it but i'm not going into that through work that shurbindo's yoga and then another place she says who can understand shurbindo we may read books we may give talks but who can understand shurbindo she says his teaching is vast as the universe he is as vast as the universe and his teaching is infinite it's very interesting when i had read it i just wondered she is saying teaching is infinite and he is vast as the universe 
And then I realized the deep profound truth. This teaching, the moment we try to put it into any slot, we have lost it. It is infinite. And he is as vast as the universe. Is the very body of Sri which contains the whole universe within him. I have wrapped the wide world in its wider space. So, she says that how to understand him? She says, the only way we can come a little closer to him is to love him and to give ourselves unreservedly to his work. So, these are the two beautiful points that he showed us to love the divine embodied in Shurabindu and the mother. She, she would never say, love me. She like that. <laughs> that Shurabindu had to say, turn to the mother and to serve the divine. There is a very beautiful prayer of the mother where she says, O Lord, I ardently aspire to know thee. But it doesn't end there. She says, to know thee so as to serve thee better. The more we know the Lord, the more we love Him. Because we realize that His love is beyond anything our human consciousness can imagine. And the more we know Him, the more we can serve Him better. Without knowing the Lord, we can still serve. But more often than not, we are likely to create more mess. Human beings have been doing that all the time. So this is a life and so much more. Let me close with this message today which we received from the ashram which is like a very concise biography of the mother. Some of Sri you know, Mahavakyas are like that. So someone asked the question to Sri When the moment mother uh, comes as the leader of the human march, not just of the ashram, but leader of the human march, Sri stepped behind and said, she is going to lead humanity. After all, who were there in the ashram? Representative humanity. So, the moment she came, Shurabindo writes a letter in perfect identification. Not a letter, but a note. I am the Shakti of Shurabindo. It's a whole note. And then, at that point of time, that in response to queries, this number of letters came, which are now compiled as the series of six letters, The Mother, which is the first book which came out after the Arya. And it's so amazing that one suddenly feels a wide uplift in Arya, we have the divine Shakti and all. Suddenly, we have the mother. And people asked, who is the mother? So, one of the questions was about the mother, transcendent mother. You know, our mind spins like that. Oh, it's okay. We are invoking the mother. Mother worship is not new. Everybody in India knows about Shakti. So, what is the big deal? About mother whom we know as, her name as Mother Mira. What is, what is so special about her? And here is this letter of Sri which is given as a message. There is one divine force which acts in the universe and in the individual and is also beyond the individual and the universe. The three levels of being. All the Shakti within an individual, breathing, heartbeat, eating, digesting, walking, talking, listening, <laughs> seeing. You know that Kenupanishad that we see through that, we hear through that, we think through that, understanding, feeling, willing, all the Shakti comes from one divine force. There is no two divine forces. Is it only within me? No, it is also universal, everywhere. What about the evil? Well, with man this choice came up. 
he can choose either to be with the forces of retrogression of the past that's what evil is or he can be with the forces of ascending evolution where that's where the good is good and evil are not are you know fixed things a standard which was valid in the past becomes invalid as we move towards the future so that's what was good at one point of time becomes evil and there are plenty of examples of that but not going into that so universe it is her power and whatever enters into an evil tendency she ultimately withdraws that from the universe and cleans it up but she is not just individual and universal she is also the transcendent mahashakti who brings the ishwara out of the state of what shall we say beyond being and non being <laughs> par brahman she brings the ishwara out as sachidanand so she is that individual universal and transcendent the mother stands for all these all three the mother stands for all three but now comes the important qualifier but she is working here in the body to bring down something not yet expressed in this material world so as to transform life here divine can do everything without taking a body after all he conducts the affairs of the world hidden by his yog maya up above why does he need to take a human body only when a work has to be done in the body and what is that work to bring matter into direct contact with the supreme that for that because if he pours that supreme light the next level of consciousness onto human body which human body will bear it even shurbindo at one point says you carry on the work of transformation your body is better prepared so the body of the divine when it takes the avatar is prepared in a special way because it has to bear the impact it's a conscious birth that is the difference between an evolutionary process and an involution of the divine taking a human body when the divine assumes a human body it's a conscious process the entire universal nature prepares the body in such a way that it can be prepared for the next leap that's how she describes as a child when she would want to cross a 15 feet long hall in one jump without running from behind she does it almost with just one tiptoe at somewhere in the middle and the next leap she is away because the body was prepared by the those elements of nature but yet it is a human body so she has taken a material body often people ask people i mean at least for me it is like that divine is wonderfully supreme everything but the divine become human is the mystery of mysteries he is if i may say so greater than the supreme paradoxical but it is true that the supreme becomes greater through his own creation <laughs> manifestation takes place all that is hidden inside him or it or her begins to take shape and thereby he rediscovers himself through countless ways so the avatar is regarded as the mystery of mysteries and that's why in india there is a Uh, entire line you may talk vedanta you may do everything and all the things you may do but in the end people worship rama and krishna and the avatars <laughs> because the divine become human so she says you must and he says you must understand that she has come to bring something in the material world which could not be without her supreme can do it but he has to take a human body to do it otherwise it cannot be done and then he says it is so that you should regard her as the divine shakti working here for that purpose 
At one place, the mother says that nothing else is worthy of Shurabindo's help except to take up this work of transformation, to call him to change us from the human animal to a divine, divine humanity of tomorrow. And that too, not for any egoistic reason, but so that we can serve him better. She is that in the body, but in her whole consciousness, she is also identified with all the other aspects of the divine force. When we pray to Durga, the prayer reaches her and she responds. When somebody calls that mother, I am in distress, her universal consciousness spread out everywhere. And Shurabindu said this, they said, mother is helping all these people, does she remember? She says, then it, her brain will be cluttered. It is there in her universal consciousness. If she wants, she can recall it. There are countless examples of that. But not getting into it, make it too vast. In her universal consciousness, she is anyways acting upon the world. But in the body, she has taken form, assumed a human body for its transmutation. This is what we need to remember. That those, all these, we can take her as the... Uh, universal mother turned to her all nature dumbly calls to her alone to heal with her feet the aching throb of life and break the seals on the dim soul of man and kindle her fire in the closed heart of things. And when we know it, what should be our response? Very simply, in the same passage, all aims were lost in her, then found in her. All our aims are to satisfy the ego. It's aggrandizement. Even divine service becomes, I am an instrument of the divine. I am in this authority, that authority. All aims were lost in her, then found in her. Everything is only to serve her. And how to do that? His base was gathered in a one-pointed spire. Let us make a bonfire, Auroville has on 28th, this wonderful bonfire. Let us make a bonfire of our own being, where we completely burn away the past. What can be purified, let it be purified and emerge. Like Parvati emerging out of the Yajna, Sati going in and Parvati emerging as the new creation. What needs to go away, let it go away without remorse. And thus, through this yagna, through this bonfire, let a new world be created right here in our midst by the grace and love of the Divine Mother. Thank you.